When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Morena, New Zealand, good morning. Uh, 9.03 here on SENZ. And uh, as we, uh, courtesy of Brant, uh, your local John Deere equipment supplier, I look to entertain you for the next three hours. We shall be supplying you with some netball. Courtney Tairi, of course, a former Silver Fern, accomplished broadcaster as well for Sky Television over a number of sports, so will be with us very shortly. Uh, then after that, we'll go to uh, some texts from the uh, text uh, tempered t- bedpost text machine, double eight double three, um, and please uh, get them in, your prospects uh, for the weekend, your tips for the Masters, uh, we'll be reading them all out, uh, tips for the Warriors. Uh, and maybe some super rugby uh, as well. So uh, just come in on that, and uh, we'll read them out for you throughout the course of this morning's show. Uh, just after 9.30, Staffy was very clever yesterday. He did an ode to cricket, and I listened to it. It was very clever. Um, but the, the guts of it is, was uh, he's looking forward to getting back to watching cricket. He's fallen out of love with cricket. He wants to fall back in love with cricket. And I think he sort of echoes uh, what a lot of people are thinking. Uh, about watching cricket these days. Um, the, the audiences have dropped off, there's no doubt about it. Um, domestic cricket has hardly any attendance at all. Uh, and we're so, uh, we want uh, on your numbers, uh, which are 0800 150 811, we just love to hear. We would love to hear from you. 0800 150 811. Love to hear from uh, you on uh, what do you think with it going back to TVNZ? Uh, whether you think uh, you're going to start watching it again? and whether that'll engender more interest. So I'd love to hear from you after 9.30. Uh, around about uh, 10 to 10, we'll have a multi for you. Uh, good news on yesterday's one. Uh, we shall have um, Stump this morning at 10 o'clock. Okay, Stump Smithy at 10 o'clock this morning. Um, we're back to 50 bucks. The panel with uh, Andrew Gordy and David Long. Uh, David, of course, with a big league game coming up this weekend. He'll give us that information. After 11 o'clock, uh, we would like to talk uh, rugby league, so we will. We'll talk to Nick Campton, who's the NRL writer for ABC Sport. Uh, we'll give you a pacing for purpose horse. Haven't had one for a while, so we'll give you one for that. And after uh, 11, in fact, uh, heading towards midday, we're going to catch up with Lewis Clearboot, of course, our champion swimmer, and uh, he's had a pretty good national, so we'll catch up with Lewis and get uh, some feedback on that as well. So let's get on with it. Stay- Yes, well, it's not all about uh, the Easter eggs, the chocolates uh, this weekend. There is plenty of sport on, which includes a feast of netball. uh, And that uh, starts uh, on Saturday with the Stars uh, against the Pulse at the Pullman Arena. That's at 7.15. It's uh, an interesting ANZ Premiership at the moment. Uh, The Mystics and the Stars at the top, but sitting at the bottom, uh, the once proud Southern Steel. And they have issues. So we'll try and sort through that uh, with Courtney. Now, good morning to you, Courtney. Lovely to have you on the show. 
Morning, Smithy. How are you, my friend? I'm very, very good. Um, and keenly interested in talking uh, some of the netball with you because uh, there's uh, four matches uh, over the course of uh, three days, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, uh, beginning with the Stars against the Pulse. Now, the Stars won this matchup by uh, eight last time around, but the Pulse have been there or thereabouts in so many games, Courtney. They have, and they're pretty much hurting right now. I think there's about four matches where they've gone oh so close, especially on the weekend, losing two, especially when they were up and winning. For me, I think it's a fitness thing, and they're running out of ticker towards the back end of games. They goal attack Chana Matudo, who was on track to be the MVP uh, on Monday night, and she was shooting at 100% for the first half. In the second half, she only, the second, sorry, the third quarter, she only put up three from four goals. And in the last quarter, she put up zero goals, which is unheard of for a goal attack. And so for me, I think they've just been, I don't know if it's something they haven't done in pre-season. They haven't hit that hard enough and it's too late now coming into the season. But for me, I think they're just running out of legs in the back end of games and they're paying for it, losing by these very close margins and they've been leading for most of the match. Yeah, very, very interesting, actually. You talk about the goal-shooting side of it. Not been an issue, though, for the Stars. Uh, Maya Wilson, in particular, her numbers have been amazing. Yeah, Maya has been outstanding, and we know it's a World Cup year, so a lot of players are starting to put their hands up already. But she's a real go-to for the Stars. But the whole Stars attacking in, like you've got Mila Riley Buchanan and Gina Crampton in the midcourt. They're the top feeders of the whole ANZ. So they really made, I think, the tactics defence on the weekend look average because you just don't know where these balls are coming in from. And you've got Mai, who's so strong, and Amorangi Malesala. She stepped up her game in the goal attack position, took a little bit of pressure off Maya, and it really gave the tactics defence too much to think about, and they didn't know how to stop the Stars. So I think the Stars, they'll be way too strong for the Pulse this weekend. Okay, well, in the long term, this was uh, round six we're talking about now, round six of 12. As we look at the table now, the Stars are three points behind the Mystics. Do you see them overtaking them? Yes, I do, actually. I think, and the Mystics are without their captain, Salou Fitzpatrick, at the moment, uh, as she suffered an injury last weekend. Uh, The Mystics, they're good without her, but they're better, obviously, with their captain. So for me, the Mystics, they'll still be there and they'll still sit at the top because they are so strong. But I think it might be another uh, grand final of the Auckland teams, even though we're only halfway through, but both of them are looking very strong. But I think the stars, to me, across the board, their depth and the way they're playing at the moment, I think that they'll start edging out the Mystics. Right, let's uh, look at uh, the second game of the weekend, which is in uh, Rotorua, and that is uh, the Magic hosting the Mystics. Now, this is a rematch of uh, the Round 3 Extra Time Thriller, where uh, the Magic ended up being one-goal winners. Uh, How do you see this one panning out? I'm really looking forward to this one, because I'm not sure if the Magic are like the Mystics bogey team, where they always just seem to get them. This happened... uh, with them last year as well and the momentum that the Magic have they've got real confidence after beating the Pulse especially in those tight situations they know they can do it Bailey Mez she's been on fire this year at goal attack for them alongside Amelia and Ekinacio and I think people are starting to think is that a possible Silver Fern selection with them two in the shooting circle so I think the Magic they'll take it to the Mystics but I think the Mystics they'll be too strong they will be still hurting from that loss that you spoke about and then they've got, obviously, Grace Wicked down there. And I think the Mystics will go into this one knowing that the Magic are kind of the team that always seems to get one up over them. So I think the Mystics will 
head turtle to the wire with a lot of confidence that they can beat the magic and they'll really take it to them. Uh, Amelia Ann Ekanasio, uh, who's captaining the magic, of course, is calling for greater consistency. Uh, where do you think they're sort of letting themselves down the magic? For me, it's almost like they've got a few new players in a, in a new position. So for me, they're not quite gelling, right? And so they're still trying to figure out who their wing attack is, which is crucial, not only on attack, because you need to be able to feed both shooters, which means that uh, Amelia Ran and Bailey Mezzers, their work rate has to go up if they don't have a strong wing attack. But then also when they turn over the ball, it puts a lot of pressure defensively on the whole team. And so it's almost like everyone else is compensating. So for me, I think the Magic is still figuring out who their starting seven is. And by doing so, it's just creating, I think, a little bit of untrust or a little bit of uncertainty through the team. And they go through these patches, these little lulls, and it takes them a while to get back out of it. So that's it for me, which I think Mills is talking about. Those inconsistencies when there are changes being made or when they're not quite uh, doing what they need to do, that's when the other teams manage to get runs on them. Uh, Michaela Sokolic-Beetson uh, is uh, having to perform the stand-in captaincy role for the Mystics at the moment. Uh, how do you think she's uh, getting through that? Yeah, look, she's great. I was down at that match in Dunedin when they played this deal, and she's really good. And even if Sulu was out there on court, Michaela is very, very vocal. And so with Sulu gone, uh, I guess Michaela, she went up another notch if it's uh, even possible. But I thought that she was really, really good for them. She led by example. She stands up when they need to, and she really wears that captain's bib with honour. So I think she is doing a really good job for them, filling in for Sulu, who is big shoes to fill. Well, if there's a threat to the two uh, northern teams at the moment, it is the tactics, and uh, they're up against the steel. Uh, 4 p.m. Christchurch Arena, and uh, last time uh, they played this, the... the um, the, the tactics got a, a real hiding now. Uh, sorry, they still got a real hiding, and that's been the trend of their season. It's been it's been awful to be fair. Now this is a this is a franchise, uh, Courtney. As you say, you've spent some time down there, uh, which was once proud, and they had it was like a bastion. You had to break down there in Invercargill. What is happening? Yeah, it's a tough season for the Steel. I think they and everyone else knows it's going to be a long season. So in pre-season, they lost George Fisher there. English import, who is their star shooter. And I believe they replaced her very quickly. And you, when you lose a player like that, you have to replace them with someone who's just as good or thereabouts. And I think um, they replaced her too quickly. And they got a set of Otomabai, who is a good player. But for the star, she was probably only ever going to be on the bench and come on every now and again. She was really a training partner. So to replace the English international shooter who shoots, I mean, if they're still going to shoot the goals in a game, George Fisher would have shot 55 of them. So to replace her with a player who was really only a training partner for another team, it's a huge hole to fill. It's a huge loss. And they've got a very, very young attacking and I think most of them aren't even 22, 23 years of age. So... And their coach rang a block for me. I actually spoke to her yesterday on Inside Netball, and she said they know that they're up against it and that these players are so young and they just have to make the most of the opportunities. But she said really for them to win a game, all of her seven out on court need to play a perfect game, which, you know, really it just isn't possible. So they know they're up against it. They're not going to be a long season. So for me, I think when they lost George Fisher, they just... 
I think they should have taken more time and I don't know what the circumstances are, the time framing, but I think they needed to look elsewhere to bring in a player uh, of equal calibre. Yeah, it's very concerning. They, they sit at the, at the foot of the table. They have just one point uh, heading into round six. They have a, a, a negative goal differential of 118, which in, a, in a, a game that's designed for shared possession, you know, when you, you have your pass off at, at, uh, in between goals, it's a shared possession type of structure of the game. That is, that is an alarming goal difference, negative goal difference. Very alarming. And like, as Nolene said at the start of the year, they want ANZ to go down to the wire to put players under pressure heading into a World Cup. And so when it was the first few rounds and then, you know, the steal, they're getting, we're getting beaten by 20, 30 goals. They were just huge mm. blowouts. And no one wants to see it. And like you said, it's such a proud region down there and it is tough for them. And then, you know, when you do look at the stats, even when you watch the games, you can just see them starting to just, pull apart in some areas. I will say, though, on the weekend against the Mystics, they lost quarter two, 19 to 9, which is huge. But the rest of the quarters, they only lost by, I believe, two or three goals. So for a lot of the game, they stuck to the Mystics, but it's just these, they go on these big lulls, allowing the Mystics. Like, I think they went on a run for nine goals, the Mystics, unanswered, and they still didn't mm. score a goal for about four or five minutes. Um. Marianne Delaney Hoshek is, of course, the, the head coach for the Tactics. Uh, she's brought in uh, Alia Dunn this year. It's turned out to be a great pickup. They sit only a point behind the Stars. Yeah, the Tactics, I think they're looking very good. And I keep saying this, if there's a year for the tactics, tactics to do it, it's this year. They've got, you know, the Silver first defensive line of Berger and Watson. Then they've done the other end. They've got Alia Dunn, who is, has been the most accurate shooter in the ANZ Premiership over the last two years. And then you've got Tapias Albuquerque out the front feeding her with a very, very good mid-court as well. So for me, depth-wise across the board, they look very good. They've got Marianne still there. She knows a lot of the players. They've all played together for a long time. Great pick-up in Ali are done. So for me, if the Tactics ever want to win, this is the year they could do it. They've got the team. They've got the personnel. Now it's just about Marianne, I think, getting it out of her team because... As we saw on the weekend, mate, they do. It's still not quite there yet. And when they come up against quality opposition like the Stars, they don't haven't quite figured out how to combat that yet. So for me, the tactics defensively, they are solid, but they need to start playing against, I guess, mid-court like the Stars and start uh, shutting that down and getting more turnover ball. Because for me, they're the best defenders in our comp at the moment, but the Stars made them look very average on the weekend. It's a doubleheader weekend for the Magic and the Stars, and uh, that concludes on Monday night. Uh, as, uh, the Magic hosts the Stars this time uh, at the Globox Arena in Hamilton. Um, so uh, where do you see this one going? Uh, I, I love the concept of Monday Night Netball, actually. So do I. I love Monday Night Netball. I think this one will be a good one. However, the Stars, if it comes down to fitness, I think the Stars... and. I mean, if you've watched all their, I guess, social media, they have trained the absolute house down all summer. And when you watch them, they look so fit and fast. And playing two games in one weekend can be a lot on the bodies. And so I think if it comes down to fitness, the Stars will be able to run out the Magic. I think the Magic, 
if they play a, a very tight and close game against the Mystics, I just don't think they'll be able to back up against the Stars. I'd love for them to prove me wrong, but for me, I think the Stars, they look more consistent. They're playing great netball. You can see the enjoyment that the team have, and when you have to double up in the weekend, I think the Stars will just be too strong for the Magic in this doubleheader weekend for them. Silver Fern Bolters, have you seen, uh, as we head into round six, anything for uh, Dame Nolene to really say, wow, now there's someone that's coming to the equation, or on the other end of the scale, someone whose form is uh, a little bit alarming at the moment? No, I think Bailey Mez, she's really putting her hand up to get back into the Ferns. You know, she's been a bit quiet over the last couple of years, but the way she's playing this year, she's almost outshone uh, Amelia and Econacio. And we know when you head to a World Cup, we learned it at the last World Cup, that you need to have a circle where you have a holding shooter and then you need a circle that is a rotation circle, so a circle that moves. So we know with Grace Wickett, she's our holding uh, shooter. So we've got a holding circle there, probably with Ekinacio at goal attack. Now the Ferns need to look at, we need a moving circle. And for me, watching Mez and Ekinacio together at the Magic, that's the best moving circle at the moment. Because you still have a Maya Wilson, who's a shooter, who's a holding shooter. But if you go between Maya and Grace, you're going with Grace. And then you've got Tapia Selby-Rickard, who adds that extra flair and adds height on goal attack. So she, I think she'll still be there. But when they're looking at a moving circle, at the moment I think the best goal attack and goal shooter combination in regards to a moving circle is Mez and Ekinacio. So I wouldn't be surprised if Bailey Mez is there this year. Okay, interesting. Uh, one final question for you, and I'm asking you to take one hat off and put the other one on. How about them one New Zealand Warriors? Ha <laughs> you can ask me this any time, Smithy. What a year they're having. Like, we knew when Andrew Webster came, like, we knew what he was bringing, being with the Panthers for the last few years in that assistant role, and then you could hear the players talking about that they've bought in and the culture and everything. But to be fair, you know, we have heard that before, but then to see them actually out on the field, and it's like they really do have each other's back and they believe in the system, and you see them... I like on the try line, saving, saving tries and making tackles for each other, which I think we haven't seen for a long time with this Warriors side. And it's even on the weekend when they're 20 nil down, it's like they have this belief and this trust in each other, which I don't think we've seen for a long time. And I tell you what, makes my job a lot easier when they're on this, uh, when they've been winning, Smithy. Aren't those winning interviews easier than the losing ones? Oh, they're the best, aren't they? <laughs> you did right, Courtney, and you do them well. Hey, so uh, thanks so much. Uh, have a terrific uh, Easter if you can, um, and we really appreciate you giving us your time this morning. Thanks. Amazing. Thanks, Missy. Great to talk to you. Yeah, cheers. Uh, Courtney Tyree there, uh, wonderful broadcaster, and uh, just hear the enthusiasm in her voice towards sport. I mean, that's half the battle. Uh, you just want to watch it, um, and she does such a great job talking about it. So, uh, yeah, the netball, uh, I love Monday Night Netball. Actually, it kind of feels, a, it's almost like uh, it's ending the weekend of sport, but it's starting the next week of sport. Uh, it's a nice little transition night, Monday. It's, it's, it, I hate it just sort of going to sleep. There used to be other Monday nights. I mean, in America, Monday night sports, huge. Monday night baseball, Monday night basketball, Monday night football, absolutely huge. And I, I just think um, it's a, a bit of a vacuum there that we all sort of just wind down. I'm not sure we do. And when we wind down, we start to lose interest in sport. And it may well be um, one of the subjects that we, we talk about uh, after 9.30 with you on the phone, hopefully. 
Uh, Smithy, the winding down of interest in cricket. Yes, sorry, what's happened? Do you want, do you want some uh, more good news about this Monday? There's not just Monday night netty. We've also got Monday night rugby league coming back. West yes. Tigers and the I Parramatta Eels. I see that, and I was, I was going to uh, talk to uh, uh, to our guest just after uh, ten o'clock this morning on that. In fact, we got stumped there. Um, but when we we talk uh, to our league man from Australia, Nick Campton, I was going to uh, ask him about uh, why can't we get it back? Why can't we get it back? And I suppose, uh, Logan, it's all about um, turnover time in between rounds. I suppose you, you, if you play on Monday, you you really don't want to play on Friday or Saturday, do you? Yeah, probably not, but there that is something that does happen and once the league expands again to have an 18th team, I think they're probably going to have no choice but to do that. That the schedule will just go Thursday to Monday probably every week, but I mean, I would imagine a Parramatta game quite often Vossi calls those ones. He's probably in for quite a big Monday. Yes, quite a big Monday. Uh, yeah, so we'll be talking to him. Are we talking to him on Monday or Tuesday? Does that mean we change to Vossi or Tuesday at the end of the round? Yeah, that's a big corporate decision you're going to have to make over the weekend. You've got three or four days to think about that, Logan. It's 9.23 here on SENZ. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Yes, we have a few texts come in as a precursor, really, to our talkback subject, and uh, Kev will appreciate your call um, very shortly uh, after 9.30. I'd love to talk to you about it. Uh, Jim from uh, Tamuka, who's uh, a regular contributor to uh, our station, uh, says, I've been following the New Zealand cricket team since uh, England played young New Zealanders in Tamuka. Aha! Well, years and years ago. Uh, meeting all the famous Pommy players who were so kind to us uh, primary school kids. I think New Zealand Cricket on TV One will hopefully see more kids out there giving it a go. Our player pool needs growth to perform at a high level, men's and women's. So very good insight there, Jim. More exposure, the better. The more availability uh, to youngsters, very, very paramount. Uh, good morning, Smithy. Amped for the Masters. Seat booked in the man cave for all four days with you. Uh, will back Rory and the tradition of the Masters. Love it since a little boy. Um, and won't the theatre of that other lot live be interesting? Jared, it's going to be very interesting. I, I, I wonder from a broadcast point of view how much attention, I mean, if, uh, if they're not floating around the leaderboard or anything like that, how much attention the live golfers will got? Will there be a bias in terms of um, the coverage? Or will they just say, right, this is a golf tournament, these guys are in it, they get equal coverage to everyone else? Uh, whether that will be um, interesting, because the, the Masters uh, group, uh, as, uh, as organisers, have a very, very strong hold on the media, a really strong hold on the media. And uh, that means you've got to be very careful that you don't upset the apple cart, if you know what I mean. Uh, there have been broadcasters over the years who have been banned for life for one or two phrases that they've said in the Masters. Um, and uh, Gary McCord, I think, is one brilliant broadcaster, very funny man, but upset the, those people at the Masters just once too often and uh, now no longer uh, is able to broadcast golf. So you've got to be very careful because the tradition and the ratings and the importance of this tournament are so big around golf that you've got to toe the party line. So I'll be interested to see their attitude to live golf and how much they talk about it uh, in their broadcast because you know if you're going to talk about recent form or you're going to talk about a player like Brooks Skepta, you have to bring up the fact that 
you know, he was uh, a winner uh, last week in Live Golf. Um, are you going to? Are they going to do that? Are they going to highlight the fact that Live Golf actually exists? So, or just treat them as players who have been invited to the Holy of Holy? It is nine thirty-one here on SCNZ. <laughs> have uh, some real uh, characters uh, across the board and uh, the way we present sport here on SENZ and of course uh, one of those is uh, Mark Stafford who between uh, 12 and 4 every day or most days anyway um, presents uh, an excellent show which um, is around uh, in the first hour uh, talk back he gets you to ring in etc. Yesterday he started his show with a, a slight point of difference and it was an ode to cricket so I stayed on the headphones and, and uh, I was very interested in uh, what Staffy was going to ode about uh, and what subject he was going to um, to bring forward in, in that regard and how he's going to go about it. Um, this is what he had to say, and it was quite poetic. ECNZ. Cricket. I've hardly talked about it. I've hardly thought about it for a number of reasons. I've got Fimbasimo in the producer's booth with a piano ready to give you and share you my thoughts. Cricket and I have been apart for three years from the Spark Sport start. No fault of theirs, I do concede. Twas my hesitation to follow, didn't feel the need. I now have to admit that I've missed the black cap, the theatre, the drama of ball and willow bat. I missed baseball and last over wins. I missed Kiwi heroics and Wagner's fractured pins. Now when I reignite my fandom for the game, there will be no Trent Bolt, and that's a bloody shame. But surely there'll be a new young breed, ready to bat and bowl, because it's cricket I need. So to Steady and Tim, I'll come back with delight. I'm ready to join you in the day and day night. So soon, it's our cricket, back on free to air. And be ready, Tim and Steady, for us to cry, scream and cheer. That's my relationship with cricket. I'm ready to come back, New Zealand. I'm ready to come back. I've missed you. I used to love you. Let's love again. Very funny, um, but there's a message in it, and uh, whilst um, you know it was poetic and um, and very very clever, it was also very very true uh, because it uh, does echo the thoughts that, uh, and uh, the things that uh, people tell me, um, you know, behind the scenes when I'm travelling around and doing a, a, the odd bits and bobs and that that uh, people don't watch or have not been watching. Um, they haven't got spark they haven't had the need to get spark and i think that's reflected in the fact that it's leaving spark it has to leave spark uh from time to time we've had um david white on the show and he has said look the, the ratings the numbers side of it he has no idea about it's uh, not his ball game um but it is his responsibility i think um to make sure that as many people in the country can watch his product which in fact is a cricket and now we hear the news that um from i think uh, the end of july onwards it's going to be available free to wear for the remainder of this contract period. So probably a couple of years at least, you'll be able to watch it on free to wear on TVNZ.
Um, and uh, what will that mean to you? Will it uh, re-engender your interest in it? Did you never lose your interest? Love to hear from you. 0800-150-811. 0800-150-811. Kevin. Kevin from uh, Titarangi has uh, said he'd call and he has backed up his word. Morning to you, Kev. Morning, Smithy. How are you, mate? Good morning, good, good morning and good weekend to you. Um, I just listened to that staffy thing. That's exactly how, how my thoughts are. Like... You know, I'm not going to go and get smart because I'll have more satellites on me on me roof than bloody NASA. And we've just lost the we've lost the art of um, radio cricket. We've lost the art of who's playing, when they're playing, and you know it's gone backwards. It's really gone backwards. And I love my cricket, as you probably worked out. I know you do, Kevin. Um, and it, it was just the fact that it wasn't a cost thing. It was, I mean, because it wasn't exorbitant as such. I wouldn't have thought, Spark. But it was just the fact that you just didn't want to go again in, in terms of uh, the pay-per-view market. Yeah, I, I just think you know, like I, I thought Sky was doing a great, great job, and they're only going to pay so much money, and, it, and it's worked out. The other ones pay too much money, and, and look what happened—they they drowned. Um, but we're, we're the losers, you know, you can't keep getting channel after channel and I've, I've got to go online to find the scores, I don't know whether the guy like Bruce from, I, I follow him, Bruce from CD bats well because um, you can't watch it so you don't know what his technique's like but he, his runs are good but it, it just, just no, there's no chat and there's a lot of my friends through the cricket club and through Auckland that haven't got it and can't talk about it because they don't watch it I'm, I'm with you, um, and you know the, the, the scary thing for me about this, Kevin, and I'm sure the numbers for, from Spark picked up uh, a little bit uh, from the, their inception, but not enough people cared enough about cricket to do anything about it for mine. You know, there were not enough people saying, I actually missed the game so much, to hell with it, I went and got Spark. Um, it, it just weren't enough people saying that to me in the areas that, that I mix in, um, and so they, they, I won't say they divorced themselves from the game, but they certainly have separated. Well, it's our second, second biggest sport, and um, when you're not having discussions in your local bar or with your neighbour or whatever else, because you, you, you don't get coverage and, and you can't talk about it if you don't see it, um, well, whose fault is that? Well, it's not my fault. No. Uh, so um, for you, TVNZ, it'll... Um You'll watch it. You'll go back to watching as much as you can. I'm not sure it'll be on the mainstream a lot. I think you're looking at Duke and maybe one or two other areas, but you, you perhaps uh, that'll re-engender your interest to watching more of it? Oh, will do, Smithy, um, and I'd love to see you part of it because I'm a um, big fan of yours and, and you speak with authority and you speak sense and speak everything and, and you, you explain what's happened in a shot rather than, oh, that's gone to the boundary, that's forward. You explain how that's happened and, and I've missed that. Um, not criticise, not naming other people, but I just think there's a lack of commentary at the moment. But the other thing too, that they put it on TV one for game one, and who's going to go and buy Spark now? Because you've got to go to Spark now to watch game two and three um, when they're mm. finishing up in July. So I can't work out why it doesn't say on TV one for the three. Even my wife yeah. watches it. Yeah, I know. I mean, if it's on, you know? it's, if it's on, if it's on in the, in the house, you watch it. I mean, you just do. Um, so, hey, Kevin, thanks for those nice words. I uh, don't think that uh, you'll see me part of the commentary team, but I, I look forward to uh, uh, watching a lot, a lot more than I have of late. Uh, Kev, thanks very much for your call and love your input into the show uh, overall. Thank you very much. Neville, Neville from Kaiapur. Get in, Neville. How are you? Yes, good, thanks, Ian. 
Oh, boy, I have to agree. You couldn't believe it. Um, I was looking for the time for the second game and I couldn't find it anywhere. And I thought, what? Oh, I don't know. But Spark has been a real, um, what's the word? Oh, a nail on the something or other. Um, but if I had a, a, I've got a story on Stephen Fleming coming up in Gulf of Pacific in May, and he said something very interesting about the Spark thing. He said the whole reason was money. Um, New Zealand cricket needed the money, so um, they went to Spark. Um, but when no one's watching, I don't know whether that, you know, makes a lot of sense in a way. Um, they must have lost a huge amount of interest in cricket from what they've done. Um, but anyway, um, the other thing too that's happened with golf, um, all the Australian golf tournaments were on TV, but we thought they were going to be on Sky. But what happened? Spark apparently cherry-picked them. And um, I'll guarantee nobody watched. <laughs> oh, it's just so sad when you think about it. No, I, I don't even know about that, Neville. So there you go. And uh, I certainly didn't watch it all. And um, who's your pick for the who's your pick for the Masters, mate? Very quickly. Um, I'm thinking Brooks Kepka is going to be very dangerous. Jeez. Oh, um, yeah, I know you don't like the sound of that. But um, he played <laughs> so well to win the last little event. Um, and he's had injury problems. He was quite up front. He just said, you know, they're quite chronic, the injury problems he did have. But he said he's now feeling great. So, um, yeah, well, he's my pick. But, uh, but I'm picking to be one or two of the other little golfers who will um, be prominent. Good on you, Nev. Enjoy the weekend, man. Have a terrific Easter. Joey from Auckland. Good morning to you, Joey. Yeah, good Smithy. Yeah, look, look, Spark obviously didn't work as as much as what everyone thought it would, mate. You know, I mean, um, I I've got Sky and uh, I've watched the cricket and and everything on on Sky, and uh, I never got Spark. So you know, uh, for that sort of thing, and 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 I, you know, when you look at it, and you know, it's going back on TV TV One now. And I think a lot of the young kids will watch it too. Which you know, there's there's a lot of people that probably haven't got Sky or Spark. You know, they can't afford it or whatever. But when it's on TV One, it might get the younger ones, um, you know, the kids from school and that watching it as well, um, which is a good thing, which then they want to start playing it. And it'll, I think it'll be it's a fantastic idea to go back to the to that side of it, you know. And uh, also, oh, never I, say never, mate, yep. because, because um, you know, uh, they could they could come to you and say, uh, <laughs> you come on, on board, it'll be fantastic, wouldn't it? It'll be lovely to hear someone like yourself um, back on uh, commentating cricket, mate. You know, and just the last oh, one, the Masters. Yep, yep, yep. I've gone for um, I've gone for Tony Finau and um, and John Rahm, and the roughly yep. I've gone for Smithy is Billy Horshaw to make the top ten. There you go. I like. I like Billy Horshaw. I think he's a terrific golfer, and he's in the first pairing that uh, with uh, Ryan Fox over this as well. So he's got uh, R- Billy Horshaw and Harris English. Joey, thanks very much uh, for your call. Uh, got to move on down south, actually, to Dean from Christchurch, a very proud cricket region. Yeah, morning, Smithy. How are you? Yeah, good, man. Very good, Dino. Good, good. A couple of things, pros and cons, but uh, I've got a spark and sky and all that. 
when I heard her going to TVNZ, I thought, okay, well, now we're going to be just bombarded with ads every over and things like that. So I guess the reason that people pay for pay TV is you don't really get that. And also one thing that Spark also has is they have that option to either go on to it live, and Sky do as well, or you can start from the start of the session. So I'm hoping that TVNZ have that same option because... Yesterday, like I was annoyed yesterday, I was at work all day and thinking, yeah, surely the T20 starts at 4 o'clock, you know, but started at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Now, what are New Zealand cricket doing? Like, it's their showpiece and they're having a Wednesday afternoon game. So, yeah, a few, few things there. I think that the pros and cons have been going to pretty air TV uh, with the ads. Um, as long as they sort that stuff out, that we can, you know, get home from work at 5 o'clock and actually watch the start of the cricket from 2 o'clock. Um, and again, yeah, the other thing, New Zealand cricket, what, what are they doing? Wednesday game, why didn't they have that where they could have had a, a night game? Dean, uh, here's an interesting thing <laughs> I, I just th- thought of yesterday, and that is that uh, Rod Stewart played in Dunedin last night, I believe, uh, with Cindy Lauper, and uh, you're the, you're the, the stadium is right next to the cricket, and whether they use that as a dual promotion as opposed to playing a later afternoon game going into the concert, I do not know. Whether they did a bit of a dovetail there, perhaps they did. Um, not sure. But you're doing cricket do that a lot, though. Yeah. Yeah, you're yeah. doing cricket do that a lot over the summers, eh? It's like, man, we're at work. Like, you know, we've got these floodlights, you know, like, oh, you know, and in Christchurch, like, we obviously do get a lot of day night games, but there was one the other year, I was like, why are you playing this on a Tuesday? I would have gone, but I've got to be at work, and then by the time I finish work, I might catch the last hour, but if it was at four o'clock, I'd, I'd go there uh, after work, but yeah. yeah, there's pros and cons for everything, eh? But um, yeah, happy yeah. days and move, move yeah. forward. Absolutely. Dean, you have a terrific weekend. Uh, thank you very much uh, for your call and uh, to those people that have phoned in. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, the, the borders, uh, uh, really, it did light up for the phones. It, it, the texts just keep rolling on in. This is a very emotive subject, which uh, we'll continue on with. It's 9.46. Smithy's Multi. Know when to walk away. Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today. Well, yesterday we took the 76ers to beat the Celtics, did so by two points. The Blue Jays beat the Kansas City Royals by four to one. Uh, And this morning, Manchester United did get up and beat Brentford by one goal to nil. So we got that one up at $4.27, I'm very pleased to say. Incidentally, another football this morning, West Ham got a hiding from Newcastle at West Ham 5-1. Right, so uh, heading into uh, the weekend, we have got uh, the Storm to play the Roosters. And we'll take the Storm at $1.77, the Storm. I think it'll be very close, really close. Storm to nudge the Roosters at a buck seventy-seven. Uh, Manchester United, um, I've got them to beat Everton over the weekend at $1.40. And I'm also going to take Leicester City to beat Bournemouth at $1.80. Uh, and also, just to add a little bit of uh, icing on top, Rory McIlroy, a top 20 finish. Rory McIlroy, top 20 finish is at $1.36. Top 20 at $1.36. That multi's out then, so the Storm into Man U, into Leicester City, into Rory, uh, $6.06. That's the weekend multi. We'll be back shortly. The racing game never sleeps, and I'm not sure Clado or Stico do either. The good oil, Saturdays from one, punting the afternoon away. 
Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. 9.57 and uh, we'll finish uh, this hour with uh, a couple of uh, texts as well. Um, uh, hi Smitty, uh, this is James uh, Didn't go to, uh, with Spark when cricket switched over Loved watching cricket, would never miss a game But after so much time away Have got not used to not watching it uh, So don't have the same drive To watch it May change now, it's on TVNZ But will never be the same Interesting James And I, I, I just, I, I'll read that out Because I think uh, that might be a scary thing uh, It might just be a scary thing That is common to um, a, a few other people uh, we started the the hour with uh, the lovely Courtney Tyree, and I think we'll finish uh, the hour with a couple of texts from uh, a couple of ladies uh, who have uh, kindly texted in. First of all, uh, Maggie uh, says, Smithy, I have previously already vented my thoughts on New Zealand cricket selling to Spark, but it's not even clear to folks how to listen to cricket on the radio. I know the app and the stations listen to listen to, but so many don't. I couldn't even find the radio broadcast uh, info on the New Zealand cricket app Disastrous for the sport New Zealand cricket deserve a kick up The proverbial Maggie uh, Lovely to hear from you And uh, lovely to hear that uh, you're passionate about the whole thing And uh, Carolyn comes in as well uh, Morning to you uh, Carolyn Hope you have a great Easter uh, Hi Smithy, I totally agree with Staffy and your last caller Only way we can find coverage On cricket is Crick Info I love cricket But last few years I've got my fix from Sky all the other international teams, plus the Big Bash, it's been enough for me with no extra cost. Cheers, uh, Carolyn. Uh, to you and Maggie, uh, yeah, I hope you have a terrific long weekend. Uh, and echoing the thoughts of, um, of people around the country, uh, I'm sure New Zealand cricket have been looking at this. I hope they've been lo- looking at this. Uh, look, uh, we're going to have an early stump. An early stump this morning. So uh, after the news, get on the phones, 0800 150811. Uh, 30 bucks from the TAB for the long weekend. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Ian Smith's had a good match here. Stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith really is top class at his job. Yes, it's time to play Stumped here on SNZ Mornings with Ian Smith, your producer Logan there, the quiz master, but the man behind the scenes doing all the questions, Brian Rarity. Smithy, we will play Stumped tomorrow with staff looking after things while you have a lovely long weekend. What do you got up? What are you up for? Uh, is it Masters all, all, the, all the day? Every morning uh, it will be the Masters. <laughs> and then on replay? Um, then I'll go and try, I might one day try and emulate some of those golfers <laughs> at some point. Uh, but just, yeah, uh, actually I'm, I'm having quality family time this weekend, so I hope that uh, everyone else um, uh, who's listening to us is able to manage that as well. It's been a tough time for a lot of people mm. trying to break out of it. Um, so, and um, in the Hawke's Bay area, I, I hear that um, pretty much everything is back open. Um, and, you know, uh, they're really hoping that um, uh, traditionally Easter's a good time for uh, our motels and hotels to fill up, our restaurants to fill up with people coming in, the wineries, etc. So we're hoping uh, in the Hawke's Bay area that people have, um, uh, are going to be able to do that again this weekend. So uh, I'll get out and about a bit. Love it. 
Well, the Swinkles family will, will be there, I'll tell you that. But let's get to the business of Stumps, and we've got Kurt from Palmerston North. Come in, mate. Hey, how's it going? G'day, Kurt. How's uh, things this morning? What's your long weekend plans, man? Uh, working, and then I've got my cricket prize coming on Saturday, so it'll be a good night. Oh. Who do you play for? Uh, Bloomfield Cricket in Palmerston North. Really? Very social, really? very what, uh, special. Very social. So what does a prize giving look like um, for you guys? Serious or a lot of fun? Actually, our captain has a um, cricket field that he's turned a farm, a, cricket, a paddock into a cricket field. So we're going out there for a game and then we'll carry on into the night drinking. And, yeah. <laughs> that sounds like a hell of a day, uh, to be perfectly honest. It, it, yeah, well, um, it'll be fun. Yeah, fantastic, mate. Well, let's hope we can give you... Uh, 50 bucks from the TAB to play with uh, to help your weekend as well, Kurt. So uh, let's uh, let's get into the subjects. Logan, what are they? All right. The topics to choose from today are golf, rugby league, and netball. Jeez. Uh, we'll go... What's the middle one? Rugby Rug- league. We'll go rugby league. Okay. Good luck. First question for you, Kurt, playing for the $50 TAB bonus bet. In uh, the round one clash versus the Knights, versus the Knights, versus the Warriors, a Knights player was binned in the second half and has been named to start this weekend. Can you name that player? No, I can't, so I'll have a stab and... I'll say... Ty feeding. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Season opener at Sky Stadium, Smithy, Warriors v Knights. Who was binned in the second half? Just repeat the question, please. By who Who was binned? A Knights player in the season a opener Knights against player. the Warriors. Yeah, um, no, I'm sorry. I haven't really uh, got an answer for you there. I only look at one team. <laughs> the one Warriors. <laughs> Man, I almost want to give it to you for that. <laughs> one of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Phoenix Crossland was the uh, name I was looking for. A bit of a tough one to start with there, Brian. Uh, f- next question for you, Kurt. What year did Hawke's Bay product and inspiration of Warriors captain Tohu Harris join the Warriors? Oh, uh... 2019? One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Ooh, Smithy, through to you. 2018. Just a couple of chips Ooh. down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. Yeah, but it feels good to uh, get the Hawks Bay question right. It does, actually. Um, <laughs> legend, absolute Hawks Bay legend, Tohu Harris. So uh, he played Ross Shield rugby too, Tohu Harris, believe it or not. Um, so there you go. So, um, sorry about that, uh, Kurt, but you have a terrific weekend with your mates and uh, have a terrific prize giving. Who's uh, who's in line next? A oh, bit of a nemesis for you, I think, Smithy. We're going to Gore. Reid, come in, mate. G'day, Smithy and Logan. How are we getting on, team? Well, I've been wanting to talk to you, Reid. What's happening with your mare down there? You're a young fella. What's happening now? Yeah, you know, I must admit, it's been a wee bit quiet in the, in the news front there with the, with the young fella. Has he still got the job or is he on the way out? No, he's still got the job at the moment, Smitty. All oh, right. I heard there might be a vote of no 
I hope there might be a vote of no confidence, but there you go. Uh, there's never a vote yeah. of no confidence when it when it comes when it comes to you. Uh, only a vote of confidence because your sports knowledge is great, Reed. So I'm backing you to get the fitty here. So uh, Logan, what's question three? All right, last question here for you, Reed. The Ball Brothers. One of them is Dylan Walker. What was his last NRL club before coming to the One New Zealand Warriors? Uh, was it the Titans? One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. I wish you could see the look of shock on Brian's face. Smithy, it's over to you for a potential stumping well, here. This guy's a good player, a really, really good player. I think he's um, one of the great finds this year. So I'm, um, I'm trying to think back, actually, uh, to where he's come from. Yeah, God. Um, I kind of think it's a Sydney club. There you go. I, I don't think he was at the Titans. I don't think he was in Brisbane. Um, and I kind of, I, I think I can associate him with, it's either, for me, it's either Souths, the Roosters. I can sort of see him in a Roosters jersey or maybe even a Manly jersey. Maybe even a Manly jersey or a Roosters jersey. Uh, time's ticking, time's ticking. Bell's going to go. Uh, I'll go south. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Oh, the process of elimination was almost working the, for you there, Smithy. South was his previous, previous club. I was looking oh, for Manly. Knew it. Oh, Manly. Manly. Oh, my God. I mentioned Manly, but I could. I, re- I reckon I'd seen him in a South, south jersey, and I thought I'd seen him in a yeah. one. But <laughs> Manly. Manly, eh? Reed's done it again. Reed has done it again. Congratulations, mate. Thanks, thanks. Have a good Easter weekend. Same to you, man. Uh, thanks very much uh, for continuing to support us here on SCNZ. Have a, a great weekend yourself. So, uh, yes, uh, Staffy will be uh, playing, sitting in tomorrow. So, uh, Staffy will have a, a $50 challenge with you um, for uh, Stump Staffy tomorrow. It sounds better than Stump Smithy, actually. Stump no, Staffy. it doesn't. No, no. It really doesn't. But you've got to enlighten me, Smithy. Uh, you talk about the young mayor from Gore. What did he do? Yeah. Oh, look, he's the younger... I think he's the youngest mayor. Oh, look, oh, I'm going to... He's, he's upset the apple cart. I mean, he's... You know, you've got to remember when you go into a city council um, that you... Yeah, there's always going to be people who've been on that council a long time, older people who have uh, a very, very hard uh, to dislodge on some of their thoughts. And then you get this young kid come in, right? Now, Ben Bell, his name is, he is uh, just a whippersnapper. He's like, um, he's the New Zealand's youngest ever mayor. I think he is, I'll just try and get it, he's 23. He's 23 years of age. Imagine 23-year-old. I've got um, 26, 27 37-year-olds, I wouldn't like to see them running the, the, the city, I can promise you that. So um, here's the thing, you get this kid in here and he's going to ruffle feathers, isn't he? He's going to, I mean, he got the votes, he got the votes to get in there. Uh, they, they do kind of have way out mares down south, though, don't they? Uh, Tim, of course, now Ben. Uh, so uh, the thing is, he's, he's going to ruffle feathers and he has, he has. So uh, I think there's ru- uh, rumblings behind the scene that Ben might be under a bit of pressure. So there is uh, the story there, Logan. Love that. Also, you've taken the hat off now, uh, Smithy, but you did start the show wearing a master's hat. I'd love to know the story behind that. 
Right, I can give it to you very simply. Um, um, the late Martin Crow went to the Masters and he got me a hat. Nice. That's it. That doesn't so, disappoint. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, no. So there you go. Um, he also got me a signed cap from Michael Campbell when he won the US Open at Pinehurst number two. Now that's, that's one of my prized possessions, I can promise you that. Uh, that's uh, on the wall, and I don't expect anyone to come around and burglarise the house for that. Uh, Mark has come in um, and said, uh, Smithy, quality family time, cold beer on the couch, watching trackside and the golf, Mark. Oh, man, that is just heaven. That's sporting nirvana. That's just absolutely brilliant. Um, a little bit jealous of you there. Um, and uh, another text has come in. Have, have the peps, uh, in other words, people, not heard of an app called Tribe? Yeah, actually, I watch a bit of uh, club rugby scores on Tribe. It has everything you need to know about when and where games are being played. It's the best app ever. Know much about Tribe, Logan? I do, actually. Um, a few years ago, when I was looking after the media for the New Zealand Ice Hockey League, I came across Tribe. And we signed we signed up for it, and so they were running the scores and stuff through the app. But it is it is incredible, sort of what they do and how they're able to keep across so many sports around around New Zealand. Um, I definitely recommend picking that up. Uh, it's a free app as well, so you know it's win win for everyone there. Um, interesting one there, Smithy. I, I think it might have been Carolyn sort of talking about how keeping track of things on you know Crick Info, another great website which I use all the time for this show uh, it's just we kind of get coverage from for domestic cricket and obviously um, resources are probably not where New Zealand cricket would like it to be but it was just I just found it disappointing that for the Plunkett Shield final it was live streamed on their YouTube for day two uh, but then I think beyond that it wasn't bec- I think they had like technical issues and I think they tried to do it on a phone, but then, I don't know, something didn't happen there. And so the final day wasn't streamed at all. There was no coverage beyond being able to watch that live score. So I just kind of wish um, that there were more resources set aside for things like that because people clearly do miss watching domestic cricket, Smithy. I think New Zealand A, Australia A might have been on YouTube um, because that was going on at the same time, I think, down at... Um the Bert Sutcliffe Oval in Christchurch, and that was uh, probably raised as a more high-profile game. And, and therein lies the problem for me. I don't think it is. I don't think New Zealand A against Australia A is as important as the Plunkett Shield. I, I simply don't. It might be for the selectors. It might be for those players involved. But in terms of the history of New Zealand cricket, it has no meaning. It has no status at all from my point of view. Um, so um, that is where I think they might be missing the boat. However, uh, we should might uh, get an opinion on that from uh, our panellists, shall we? Because um, they're both uh, relatively opinionated people working in the media. Uh, David Long, who uh, is, of course, uh, very much into uh, this great Warriors campaign at the moment. And uh, Andrew Gordy, who's uh, into anything controversial. So we'll catch up uh, with the panel very shortly. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. This morning we have uh, two very experienced men in the media and David Long and uh, Andrew Gordy. Uh, David Long, I'll begin with you this morning. Uh, can the, this dream run continue 
uh, in Newcastle uh, on Sunday night around 8.15? Yeah, hi there, Smithy. Um, I think it can. Um, <clears throat> the Knights are, are um, a good team, and they're a better team than when the Warriors played them earlier in the season. And um, speaking to um, Andrew Webster yesterday, he actually said that that was, one that, that was the toughest game they've had so far this year. So it's not going to be easy, but... Um, I still do think that the Warriors, uh, you know, are on great form, and it's very clear that turnaround that there's been this year. So I think it will be um, another win, not another big win again. I'd be interested about the start goes, but I can see them winning by about six points here. Okay, David, uh, t- just tell us a wee bit more about this uh, West Tigers. I mean, they should apologise for their form, if nothing else, but they've apologised for Anzac Day jersey showing American soldiers. Tell us a wee bit more about this. <laughs> Yeah, well, there's been a huge stuff up. It, it seems like that they, um, uh, for everybody, every t- every team does an Anzac jersey, especially for it, um, and the most of them, you know, are very sort of respectful. And someone at the club um, used some American GIs from from whenever. It certainly wasn't from an Anzac time period. It's a lot more recent than that, with a helicopter in the background and used that for the official jerseys for Anzac Day, um, which is called huge embarrassment, and especially at a time when the Tigers are. I uh, haven't had a win all season. Um, there seems to be chaos around Tim Sheens and what's, um, uh, what's going on with the coaching at the, at the club. And uh, it was a big protest for their game against the Eels on Monday. So it's an absolute disaster. Uh, but I do feel a bit sorry for Justin Pascoe, the CEO of, um, of the Tigers, who's getting it, he's getting it from every, everywhere at the moment and calls for him to resign. I, I caught up with Justin actually a few weeks ago when the, Warriors, when the Tigers were over in Auckland for their trial against the Warriors. And... And, to, and um, you know, to, to Justin's credit, the, the Tigers were the only club that actually put their hand up and, and gave the Warriors a game in New Zealand uh, this year. Whenever, when all the other clubs talk about help, 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 helping out the Warriors after what they've done, the Tigers were the only club who actually did anything about that. So, you know, I've got sympathy towards him through that. But in terms of this jersey, it's, it's another disaster um, at a time when the Tigers really don't need it. No, they don't. They need form, they need points, they need cohesion. Unlike uh, our uh, Warriors, uh, Andrew Gordy, I, I have not. I have not had a comment from you about this uh, progress so far in the early parts of the season. <laughs> morning, Smitty. Morning, Longo. And, uh, and morning to all the listeners. Um, absolutely loving the start of the season from the Warriors. Um, and, yeah, look, I mean, we'll talk about the bandwagon, don't you? But it's, and it's, it's hard not to get on because they're just... They're a completely different team. Like anyone who follows the Warriors uh, knows that, you know, certainly in recent seasons, they've, they've been battling, haven't they? There's no two, question, uh, two ways about it. And you watch them this season, they're just, they're just completely different. Completely different attitude, completely different, um, I, I suppose, attitude to what you're seeing from the players on the field. And, and you know, it, it all just it, it starts up front, doesn't it? And quite clearly, their forward pack is... Is just functioning better than it has in, in previous years. It, it was, I thought it was very apparent actually in, in the season opener um, against the Knights, just how much fitter they certainly seem to be compared to the Knights. Um, you know, certainly the last ten minutes of, of both halves in that season opener, um, it was apparent just how much fitter they were than, than the Knights. And look, if that's mm-hmm. if that's perhaps one of the big changes, I think maybe that that Andrew Webster has managed to to. Um, you know, make with the squad even at such an early stage, you're seeing the benefits now. Um, and the knock-on effect of that is huge. You know, you've got a team that's going forward, and when the team's going forward, 
Sean Johnson has more time and space, and we've, we've all seen and noted just how, well, how much happier he is for a start, which makes, it, makes a huge impact. Um, but he's, he's playing with a smile on his face. But not only that, I think the really important thing around Sean Johnson, and, and look, for any team, right, you, you want your marquee player. Maybe, I don't know, maybe not necessarily in terms of salary in this team, but, but Sean Johnson is a, is a marquee player, right? He's, he's the star. And you want your star player playing well, playing with a smile on his face, but also being involved in big moments. And I really felt like the try that he scored, which was all his own doing, you know, put, put up the bomb, chase hard, follow up. He was, he was there to pounce on the mistake, score the try. And that gives him that feeling like I'm involved, I'm contributing. And then for him to kick that, that winning you know, penalty right at the death. Um, just imagine what that does to the guy's confidence and how, you know, if you're, if you're marquee man, your star man is feeling confident and happy, just the impact that that has on the players around him will be enormous. So, um, yeah, look, don't get me wrong, not getting too far ahead of ourselves, but it's a very promising start. And, um, yeah, you certainly just hope that they can go over to Newcastle and, uh, and, and you know, this winning run can continue. And based on what we've seen, I think, from both teams, so far of this campaign, um, I don't see any reason why the Warriors can't go over there and win. Me neither. Uh, me neither. I can't wait. Actually, I can't wait for that uh, next home game against the Cowboy. Uh, the Cowboys, I think it is. That's going to be some some match. That one, uh, David. You'll have prime position there in the media box, I'm sure. But uh, you wouldn't have had prime position yesterday, I would imagine, at the University of Overland Dunedin, where the Black Caps uh, mopped up uh, Sri Lanka. Very, very convincingly in the final game of the home season uh, as a Saturday in Queenstown. So uh, that'll be a nice little outing for them. But it's been a, a bit of a flat end, David, for you to the season? Uh, I think so. It's, it has been a funny season, hasn't it, really? It's been an extremely long one with the, with the trip that the, the team had to over to, um, to Asia during the middle of it. And um, I guess the, the, the nice thing is that... Um, you know, it finishes off with a game that that, that means something, even though you, you, a, a twenty twenty series doesn't hell of a lot. But at least it's something you're playing behind when they go into this game. Uh, I mean, certainly a highlight this year has been was a test series against England. With two tests there. It's just a shame that that one was such a short period of time that we saw England over here. Um, and I guess it's the end of an era with with Sparks coverage of the of the cricket over here as well. Um, yeah, it's certainly. I wouldn't say it's been an outstanding summer of cricket in New Zealand and the weather has made such a big impact. But, um, you know, it, at least, you know, as I said, at least it comes down to a, which hopefully should be a good game by the one in Queenstown. I think, uh, Gords, it'll be more remembered for those two uh, thrilling test matches than uh, anything else. Um, I understand yeah. also, Gords, you'll be all over this uh, too, that uh, the New Zealand cricket are making an announcement around uh, the medical uh, condition about the leg problem for Kane Williamson very shortly. In fact, hopefully we'll have that uh, during this panel. But uh, concern there, but uh, the season in review for you? Uh, like, like David's just touched on, I found it a really difficult season um, to, for the Black Caps to build momentum because the, the schedule has been so fractured, you know, here and then overseas and then back home. Um, so, yeah, it doesn't really feel like we've had sort of a season to follow or a campaign to follow, if that makes sense. Um, but you're absolutely right. The highlights of the season have 100% been those test matches uh, against both England, well, certainly the test match uh, or the, the second test, I suppose, against England, um, but also the, 
Batista, um, uh, you know, against against Sri Lanka as well. Um, those were very entertaining, and you know, isn't it funny how you know in this day and age, and we always talk about you know the dominance of T20 cricket and how entertaining it is. I mean, and and here we are talking about quite clearly the most entertaining matches of the summer being two test matches um, because mm. they came down to just two incredible finishes. So um, that's, that's great, I think, from a, you know, from a purist point of view, you could say. Um, I love it that, that those are the two perhaps biggest memories for us to take away from, um, from the Black Cat season. Right, OK. Uh, we're coming up to a news break uh, with Aroha. We'll take that. And when we come back... Um, of interest uh, coming from New Zealand rugby was the release of a 10-year action plan for women and girls rugby in New Zealand. Love your thoughts on that, gentlemen. Uh, David Long and Andrew Gordy with us on the panel this morning. The panel. We have got Andrew Gordy and uh, David Long with us this morning, which is uh, terrific on this uh, last panel before uh, the long weekend but uh, I promised you an update from uh, New Zealand Cricket and Logan Swinkles you can read that to us please Yes, just come through. Not good news. Kane Williamson will require surgery on his injured right knee after scans on Tuesday confirmed he's ruptured his ACL while fielding for the Gujarat Titans in the IPL. The standard rehabilitation timeline means that Kane is now unlikely to be fit and available for selection for this year's ODI Cricket World Cup in India. After receiving the news, Williamson wanted to acknowledge the support he's received since sustaining the injury. He's likely to have that surgery on his knee within the next three weeks. Wow. Okay, Andrew Gordy, uh, the worst possible scenario from our World Cup hopes. Yeah, that that is just devastating news, uh, primarily for Kane, obviously, for the Black Caps and, and, and their fans, I suppose. Um I have to say it's it's not surprising. Um, it, it looked bad at the time, you know, being forced to be carried off the field and then, you know, to see him in, in, in that knee brace as he arrived home uh, just the other day, uh, it certainly didn't look promising, did it? So, yeah, I, I can't say that this is surprising news, but, but it is equally tough to take. And, yeah, certainly for, for the Black Cats and their hopes of, uh, of success, I suppose, at, at this year's World Cup. That is that is very, very tough news to take. And certainly feel feel sorry for Kane as well because, you know, it's, it's, it's never good for any, any player to, uh, to suffer an injury such as this. But when, it's, when it rules you out of a major tournament, you know, out of a World Cup, um, it's, it's just, it makes it all that much uh, more difficult and, and tougher to take, I suppose. So, yeah, certainly thinking of him yeah. um, at a time like this, it's, uh, it's mentally very, very tough on a guy like him, I'm sure. Absolutely it is, and uh, there's a, sort of a bit of an irony here, and I hope he comes through and is able to play cricket um, on all capacities, but of course uh, Martin Crowe's uh, career was uh, curtailed too by what? A knee injury, so uh, there you go. Uh, let's hope that doesn't happen. Uh, right, uh, getting back to uh, the agenda we had uh, written down, uh, Gordon, you like a crack at this, I'm sure. Uh, New Zealand Rugby release a 10 yeah, action plan for women and girls in rugby around culture, system, participation, performance and transition. What do you make of it? Yeah, look, it was, um, it was quite a long, <laughs> long document, I suppose, that was, uh, that was released by New Zealand Rugby yesterday um, and a lot of detail in there, which, which was great to see. Um, I think for one, for one thing, I suppose, New Zealand Rugby deserves some credit for actually putting this down on paper, you know, and actually making a plan. And, and that sort of, I suppose, symbolises the commitment they have to, 
to improving uh, the, the game for, for women and girls. So I'll give them, absolutely give them credit for that. I did feel like there, there were some commitments in there. You know, they're going to form a new, a new leadership uh, group at, at executive level, specifically for women's and girls rugby. They're, they're making, you know, they're creating six brand new positions within the organisation at, 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 a, at a reasonably high level as well. And I suspect that that's probably going to cost them sort of trying to do the math, I suspect it's probably going to cost them the second of a million dollars to, to create those new roles. Um, and some commitment at, at every level of the game, I suppose, for, um, for women and girls right from the grassroots through to the, to the top level. So I, I think it's great that we're getting this down on paper and, and we sort of have an opportunity, I suppose, to hold people accountable for, for what they're symbolising that they, they want to do. Uh, for women in rugby. I suppose the really big question, Smithy, that I have is, and, and they did sort of admit this yesterday, that it, it's not going to be easy. Um, and I'm really curious to know, off the back of what really is the greatest possible advertisement any country could have for women's rugby, and that is the host nation winning a rugby world, a, a rugby world cup, is what, what change has that made? What impact has that made for realising the, I suppose, the commercial potential that quite clearly exists for women's rugby, uh, and in particular the Black Ferns. You know, I'd love to know from, from Mark Robinson, you know, off the back of that World Cup win, what, what did you notice? Did you have sponsors coming forward? You know, how many new sponsors have they managed to attract for, let's just say, the Black Ferns? Um, and, you know, how much increased, I suppose, sponsorship revenue has, have you managed to secure off the back of, like I say, the best possible advertisement you could... Any, any nation could hope for, um, for, the, for the women's game. I, I hope the answer to that is, is really encouraging, but I, I am a little concerned. But if, if that's not the case, then what is going to force that change? Because um, if, if you can't secure that sort of uh, big shift for the game, for the women's game, off the back of such an advertisement, what is going to shift the needle, I suppose? Because that's always the, mm. the complaint I hear from people about, you know, when we're talking about... Uh, equal pay and, and, and issues like that, the, the counter-argument is always, well, well, who brings the money into the organisation? And, and yep, it's, it's difficult to argue that. Clearly, the, the, the All Blacks are the big money maker for New Zealand rugby. But at the very least, I think, you know, um, it would be wonderful if, if New Zealand rugby could point to, to the, the sponsorship of, of even the Black Ferns and say, yeah, we've managed to double their sponsorship revenue or, or, or something like that. And then you know, you get that impression, I suppose, or, or, or we can start believing that the women's game can be can be self-sufficient and, and really stand on its own two feet because that's when you're really going to see meaningful progress for the women's game, I think. And, you know, encouraging to see that they're, they're spending $22 million on women's rugby next year and, or sorry, this year, and, and that's, I suppose, a promise that that will grow year on year for the next 10 years. That's, that's a great commitment, I suppose, that they can put uh, in writing and can be held accountable for uh, into the future. But, um, yeah, encouraging signs, but clearly a way to go. Right, OK. Uh, David Long, uh, your thoughts there? Yeah, I think it was very interesting points made by Andrew. I think, I think uh, it certainly is promising what the um, New Zealand rugby announced yesterday, and there's a lot of positive things there and good signs. Um, I think people always want sort of, um, you know, instant results. It was like, you know, after the Black Caps win the World Cup, people wanted a, you know, a big, meaningful competition and, and lots of tests and, and everything for the Black Caps immediately. But it does take time for that to, to pull sort of, I guess, the structures in place. 
Um, but it, it's good to, it's good to see that word. I think it's going to be interesting how the Super Rugby Africa does develop over over this period of time. Uh, and it's good that the emphasis is well going into the grassroots and getting um, girls playing the game. Uh, I think one issue is, is going to be retention um, over the years as, over that as well as, as it is in, in the boys' game. Um, and also with the threat of the NRLW, um, which, which, is, which is really is looming and is going to be an issue, I think, for New Zealand rugby, although I wouldn't see much addressed so far. But I think that is going to be something that's, um, that's, that's going to be <clears throat> something to deal with for... Uh, given given um, young players a pathway of to what sort of sport they do, uh, if they want to make it uh, playing football uh, their profession. Um, but on the whole, you know, it's good that they they have put this out. I think rather than just um, you know put something in the in the ground and say this is what we want to do, and it's something to measure them over the next ten years and say, well, this is what you said then. Let's see how you've done in achieving that. So um, yeah, I think good on New Zealand rugby for what they've done. Okay, fine. Uh, let's. Uh, there'll be more reaction to that, of course, uh, without doubt. Um, okay, uh, Gord's just finally the Masters um, dream come true for Ryan Fox. I think uh, Grant Fox was on his bag in the Par Three Championship. So, uh, wow, uh, what a story this is, and uh, he's a chance uh, to be very creditable, I believe. Fantastic, eh? How good seeing Foxy on the bag wearing the white overalls. Uh, you know, carrying the bag for. for for his son there at Augusta today. Just, like, magic stuff. And then there's been some great great vision um, of, of Foxy and his friends and family uh, come out of, of Augusta over the last couple of days as well. It's been brilliant. Look, really, really just stoked that we've got a Kiwi in the, in the Masters. I mean, this is the tournament, isn't it? This is the one tournament that uh, I think we all look forward to every year. Um, so really, really excited to see how he goes. I'm, I'm generally, though, excited for, for this tournament. Um, because for the whole good versus evil battle, I suppose, the whole PGA uh, versus live battle that's, uh, that's threatened, I suppose, to really explode, I think, in this tournament. Um, and it really is, it actually reminds me, uh, and uh, forgive me for using this example, but it reminds me of when Manchester City were, were taken over, I suppose, and they started to grow and their, their, their squad started to improve, their results started to improve, and then they really levelled up. To Manchester United, and they, they had this, you know, proper rivalry start to start to emerge, and that's where I feel like the Live versus PGA battle has got to. I think the Live, you know, the, the, the quality of players uh, that that Live has managed to secure means that they enter this this particular tournament, you know, the tournament of tournaments. This is the one um, that they want to win, and certainly if I want one of the Live players can can win at Augusta this week, just what a statement! that would be for for this new emerging tour. And I'm really interested to see, if, and like I say, if one of the live players does manage to win, like, what what will we see? Because I'm, I'm sort of hearing rumours and suggestions that, you know, the live players will all storm the storm the 18th green and, and celebrate with the winning player. Like, just what a... What a what a sight that would be! What a what a a moment I suppose that would be for the sport. Um, having said all that, I'm I'm rooting for Rory McIlroy. I'd love to see him win it, and uh, you know maybe a win for the good guys. <laughs> maybe a win for the good guys. Uh, speaking of which, both of you two gentlemen are David Long and Andrew Gordy. Uh, thank you very much for your time this morning, and have a terrific long weekend. Uh, we'll be back with a panel 
uh, at some stage uh, early next week. Uh, gents, uh, thanks for that. It's uh, 10.42. Experts in agriculture covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Right, uh, just uh, repeating the news that uh, Logan said just after uh, 10.30 this morning. Of course, uh, very bad news for our cricket fans in this country. But worse for Kane Williamson, of of course, uh, personally. Uh, He's got to have surgery on his problematic knee. Um, We thought he had problems with his elbow, but um, that means uh, he's uh, in very much doubt now in terms of recovery time, full fitness uh, to get um, to the World Cup in India in uh, October, November. That's how uh, uh, drastic the surgery is, and that's how long the fix is going to be. So that is uh, terrible, terrible news uh, for Kane Williamson uh, and very, very bad news for New Zealand's chances because he is, uh, is uh, in the form of late suggests, uh, <coughs> one of the terrific batsmen in terms of form around the world and has been for quite some time. So to do without him, uh, first of all, we have to find uh, a captain who's going to deserve his place in the side full-time um, and be able to march us around the field and get us into uh, those positions to win crucial games. Uh, at the moment, uh, you would tend to suggest that the white ball captain will be uh, will be Tom Latham uh, on evidence of what we're seeing throughout uh, the teams that are being picked at the moment. Having said that, uh, Tim Southey is not um, in a lot of these teams either because he's having a, a bit of a breather, Tim, so it's fair enough. Um, of course, uh, he's got uh, IPL commitments as well, I believe. So uh, there you go. Um, so for Tim Southey uh, or Tom Latham, interesting. Who would be your white ball captain? Maybe that's a, a subject for another day next week, but it looks like we're going to have to find one. And on that subject, um, a lot of texts have come in this morning, particularly on your feelings for the coverage of cricket in, in this country. And that was on the back of what Staffy said yesterday in his, uh, his uh, wonderful little ode. Uh, hey, Smithy, David White has sadly quite, uh, quite an arrogant view of uh, New Zealand cricket and its popularity. Cricket will always be number two to rugby, and uh, most rugby fans are cricket fans second. So unless Spark could get the rugby, it was never going to work. What is frustrating is anyone who understands New Zealand sport mildly understands that that's the case, and why didn't anyone on the New Zealand cricket board have the brain or the guts to stand up to David White and say, hey, this could be irreversible damage and could take years to bring the audience back up to normal level. David White's continued unabashed uh, support, his words, uh, not uh, the texters, uh, support of Gary Stead and the Spark Pass, lead me to believe he might not be the best man for the job. Well, I would have thought, <coughs> just uh, making a point there on his decision uh, for the rights, I would have thought uh, a decision of that magnitude, that magnitude would have had to be rubber stamped by the board. Um, that's what I'm thinking on that. So... Uh, when you take uh, away from a long-standing relationship which has been successful and you decide to go in another direction, you don't do it on a whim, I would have thought that was a board decision. So uh, the fact that we're levelling it at all, all of uh, David White, a lot of these decisions um, would have had to have been, um, I think, uh, over overseen by uh, a board. That's what they're there for, particularly big ones. 10.51 here on SENZ. Covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. The loveracing.nz update. Your home for everything thoroughbred racing.
Visit loveracing.nz, racing's biggest fan. Well, quite simply, they are racing at uh, Whanganui today, and uh, there are eight races beginning at 12.37. I saw a text come through earlier to the breakfast show that said, please, Louis, give us a winner. So I'm going to repeat that. Yeah, Whanganui. I mean, I'll, personally, I'm probably saving my bucks for the weekend, but I think, oh, I've just seen the scratching. Show us more comes out. Oh, I do have a winner for you then. Race four, Priorex, prior Lisa Ladder. JKB Riddell, a combination you know well, Smithy. Um, $3.50, $1.45. I think she'll be handling this field, actually. Pretty pretty happy with that. I was just a bit worried. Show us more was the big threat, and I couldn't really split them, but he's come out prior S. I think that's a nice winner today at Whanganui. What about the weekend? What are we going to do with uh, Mustang Valley? Is $2.50 too short for her in the Group 1 Feliz and Mears race at Pukekoe? I I don't know. She'd she'd probably need the rain. I see that Pearl of Alsace is six fifty into five fifty this morning. Bit of confidence around that near maybe, but gee, they don't usually come from start and maidens and finishing group ones in the same season. So having a bit of trouble with this field and, and the two fillies, Mazzolino and Skewith and the Waikato stud Guernseys down the bottom of the market. Don't know what to do with them either. Cool change has been running big races. Um you've got horses like Aromatic in there. Oscillator, Bell Clear, that on their day can put in big performances. So that Phillies in his Group 1 at Pukekohe on Saturday, Race 7, is an absolute doozy. I don't really know what we're going to do. Unless it absolutely hoses down, becomes a heavy 8, 9, 10, and then Mustang Valley in that wide draw should probably start odds on, I would have thought. But a bit of confusion for uh, me. Well, there's a bit of confusion too. Uh, what's the weather been like in Sydney, man? I, I hear it's been a bit wet. Yeah, but I think slightly better than at the start of the week what it was looking like. Well, yeah, we got some good Kiwis, uh, good Kiwi contingent over there. As I said, Penny Wicker and the Oak. But also remember uh, Levante in the Queen of the Turf, uh, race nine. She's got a genuine chance here. She's $7 and $2.50. And then I, I saw today that she's going to be sold at auction at Magic Million Sale later this year. So they're, um, the owners have got four Group 1s out of her, maybe a fifth this weekend. 1.25 million prize money, and she's going to go on to her next career as a broodmare. And um, your master's tip, please. Uh, Cam Smith, Patrick Reed for the for the good guys, the well, the, the good bad guys, and um, she Woo Kim as an absolute ruffie. Okay, value around all of those. Uh, Louis Herman, what uh, to have a terrific uh, long weekend, mate. Uh, I know you'll be busy anyway, but um, I hope the, the punt goes well for you. Right, um, after 11 o'clock we have uh, a busy time of it because we're going to be talking to uh, Nick Campton. Nick, of course, is the NRL writer for ABC Sport. And uh, a little bit later in the hour, uh, about 11.40, in fact, we're going to catch up with our champion swimmer, Lewis Clearbert. Of course, uh, the Nationals, uh, for him, have been successful. You wouldn't expect anything else, would you? He's uh, head and shoulders above a lot of the people in his events. But is he happy with his times, his performance? We'll catch up with Lewis Clearbert uh, with what's coming up. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. 
Well, a real bonus for league fans this weekend. It's round six of the NRL. It gets underway tonight with the Melbourne Storm hosting the Sydney City Roosters. And that's a matchup which will feature a few Kiwi lads, including Will Warbrook, uh, Joey Manu, and the forever cheeky Brandon Smith. Uh, but of course, uh, it goes through until Monday night, uh, this long weekend, where the uh, hapless West Tigers will be hosting the Eels. But for the one New Zealand Warriors, uh, they've got us uh, singing the praises of new coach Andrew Webster. It's early days still, but the bandwagon might just need a bigger cart. And joining me now is arguably Sean Johnson's greatest fan in the media on the other side of the ditch, and that is uh, Nick Campton, of course. Uh, Nick, um, it's great to see you uh, following Sean Johnson in a season in which I think he's uh, starting to really make a statement. Is that fair? Oh, Smithy, that's the that's the best introduction I think I've ever got because I am driving the Sean the Sean Johnson bandwagon over here, and I think you're right. I think he is really making a a statement this season. You know, I think he's a player that's always been um, a little bit unfairly maligned. I think there's always been so much pressure on him because he sort of has been the face of the game in New Zealand pretty much ever since he came into first grade in back in 2011. But to see the way he's playing right now, to see him playing with a a smile on his face and a, I feel like a real command of his own skills. He just looks so sure of himself out there and so sure of what the team needs him to do in any given moment, you know. So it's really great to see him kind of uh, go to the next level with his with his playmaking. I kind of liken it a little bit to the way Benji Marshall played in the last few years of, of his NRL career or the way Quade Cooper's been doing ever since he came back into the wall of his setup a couple of years ago, you know. The, the, these guys just are... They have so much experience and they have so much of an understanding of how the game's supposed to be played and it's great to see Sean get to that level. Yeah, you know, Nick, one of the things people are talking about over here is his level of defence uh, has been remarkable this year and probably, you know, you expect the playmaking side of it um, and it's been a, a bit flat from time to time but the defence has been a talking point. Yeah, I, I think that's actually been the greatest hallmark of Andrew Webster's brief time in charge with the club is how strong they've been defensively. Like, I, I know things got to be crazy on the weekend with Cronulla in that 32-30 shootout, but before that, the Warriors were third in the league in terms of uh, points conceded per game, you know? And I always think at the, at the start of the season, it's so important to get your defence right because your attack can always improve. That can always get better as the team spends more time together and as, as combinations grow a little bit. But defence is about attitude and intensity, and those are things that you either have or you don't. And, through five weeks of the competition, it looks like the Warriors really do have it. But I think it's been an extremely impressive defensive start of the season for Webster's side. Nick, what's your impression of the hip drop tackles? Because um, after last week's game between the Sharks and the Warriors, two players got a combination of five-week ban. What's your feeling on those? I think uh, in, in the last maybe 12 months or the last couple of seasons or so, let's say, the NRL's worked really hard to legislate the hip drop tackle out of the game. But I think we're still at the point now where uh, old instincts are dying a little bit hard and people are just getting themselves into, into bad positions. And I think the only way to sort of change that, the only way to sort of change the way people are thinking, the way people are tackling and sort of change those natural techniques that they've learned over the years is to sort of come down pretty heavily when it does happen. You know, I didn't think there was much malice in the, in the Dale Finucane tackle on Chancellor Cook-Klukstad on the weekend, but you just can't have those sorts of tackles in the game because they can be so very damaging, you know. So I think the only way to do it is to come down on hip drop tackles and come down on them pretty hard. Right, OK, fair enough. Um, I think Vossi echoed those thoughts as well. Uh, interesting for the Knights, uh, Jack Johns, son of Matty Johns, has been named to start at 13 um, for the hosts uh, this weekend. 
Um, so, uh, a couple of uh, John's boys here, and uh, not just Jack, but Cooper as well. Are they good enough to live up to the uh, the tag of sons of? Well, I think it's always it's always a difficult thing to sort of carry your father's your father's legacy into 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 the sport where it, that made him so famous. But I must say, I've been really impressed by Jack Johns's footy this year. Um, I think he started at lock this week. I think he was more of a halfback or a five eight coming through the juniors, um, and then he just sort of hit a bit of a growth spurt, so they moved him into the middle. But he still retained that really nice touch on the ball and that and that really good skill as well. You know, I thought he made a great impact for the Knights last week in their draw against Manly. I thought his passing in the middle third of the field was was really, really impressive. And I think uh, Cooper Johns has sort of settled into a really nice niche for him in his career, which is I think he's always going to be good enough to be in and around NRL squads. And, you know, I think he's a very capable uh, first drop if somebody goes down in the halves. But I think he understands that that's sort of his role in... Um, in the first grade scene. He might not be an every week starter, but he's someone that you'll always be really happy to, to have in the squad, you know? And I think both of them have sort of inherited Maddie's, uh, Maddie's sense of humor a little bit. I think they're both people persons and they're both very popular. So I think they'll be around for a long time. Yeah. The Johns boys. Yeah, I think they will as well. And, uh, that's great for the game. Uh, listen, uh, Kalen Ponga, tell us a, a wee bit about his, uh, concussion issue and when he's expected back, uh, for the Knights. I think the Knights are, are, are very, very correctly uh, sort, sort of taking this very, very slowly. I think they really want to make sure that Kalen's going to be back to 100% health and fitness and that it's, it's safe for him to return to the game whenever they do make that decision. And they're a little bit lucky in that aspect that they've sort of stumbled on, well, not stumbled on, but the fact that Lachlan Miller's playing such good footy at fullback, um, it, it sort of gives them the luxury to kind of take it a bit easy with with Ponga's return and given that they have done quite well without Ponga in the team while he's been over in Canada getting that that, that treatment it do, it does give them the luxury of being able to to really to really take it slow and really do it properly and, and really make sure that the time is right for for Ponga to return I would imagine that they'd be looking to get him back on the field in probably the next three to four weeks but I imagine the situation's mm. really really fluid and what's true one day might not be true the next day um, I do know that the Knights are just taking this incredibly seriously and they're they really do have um, Kalen's long-term health in mind. So I would imagine that we're maybe a couple of weeks away, but as I said, that could change very quickly. Of, um, of interest to us is the level of interest that uh, Australian media are starting to look at the Warriors. And, you know, in previous years, uh, understandably, they haven't been rated too highly because they haven't played that well, um, but for a number of reasons. But uh, this year, are they attracting a bit more attention? I think so, definitely, and I, I think that win on that win on the weekend against Cronulla will has played a big part in that. You know, there's there's a lot of hype about Cronulla going into going into that match because Nico Hines had returned the week before, and he's the reigning Dalian winner, and they look so good against the Dragons, and you know he's a bit of a pin-up boy over here these days. But then for the Warriors to sort of come in and to play that way and to climb off the canvas the way they did, coming back from twenty nil down and winning in such dramatic circumstances and quite undermanned too. You know, there was no two no Tohu Harris. There was no Tamari Martin. They were really up against it. They had every excuse to fall over and, and, and sort of, you know, get a big score put on them, like has happened a lot in the last couple of years. But, but they didn't do it, you know. And I was already, I was already expecting um, a good performance from the Warriors in that match because, as you said, I'm a bit of a Sean Johnson mark and I always want to see his teams do well. But um, even I didn't expect that they'd be able to come back to as, as, as strongly as they did. So I think people are really starting to stand up and take notice a little bit over here, you know, and I think after what the Warriors have been through over these last couple of seasons, I think it's really good for the game to to see them do so well and to see them sort of 
re-energised and, and, you know, up there throwing punches again. Nick, if I can, I'd like to run through uh, two or three other games uh, before we let you go. Uh, of course, the season, oh, the, the weekend starts off tonight uh, with the Storm against the Roosters. Uh, this is a really interesting matchup. How, how do you see this with the Storm at home? I feel like both the Storm and the Roosters have been building into the season quite nicely. They probably didn't get off to the start that they wanted to or the start that they expect with the really high standards they set at both clubs. But I feel like over the last couple of weeks, they've gotten much, much closer to their best footy. I thought the Storm played really, really tough against the Rabbitohs last week. They just sort of tackled their way to victory, which is something that they haven't sort of been able to do over the last couple of years. So it's good to see a return to that defensive intensity. And then, I don't know about you, Smithy, but I thought the Roosters looked really, really ominous against Parramatta. I thought they were really starting to get towards the sort of footy that we all thought we'd seen the preseason when every man and his dog was tipping them to to win the comp. So even though James Tedesco is out, I think I'm leaning the Roosters on this one. I just think they're a little bit more fully formed than the Storm right now. And Jared Warrior Hargraves and Lindsay Collins are playing such great footy up front. I feel like they'll be able to control that middle third of the field and and, and put some points on out wide. But um, I'm, I'm, it's not a tip I'm making with a lot of confidence. I think we're getting another Storm Roosters classic, but I'm taking the tricolours, only just. Okay, um, uh, one of the other games I'd really be interested in to talk to you is about uh, is the, the Cowboys and the Dolphins. Now, uh, Cowboys are at home for this one. The Dolphins had an incredible start to the season which had everyone talking. Uh, but then the bubble burst last week uh, and the Dragons gave them a bit of a pasting. Has uh, it burst overall or do you expect uh, Wayne Bennett has just uh, looked at this and thought, well, okay, that's an early hiccup. We knew they were going to come. Um, what's your view on this one? If there's one thing that we that we all should have learned from the first month of the competition, it's like never, ever write off Wayne Bennett. Don't ever do it. It'll just make you look silly in the long run. But I do think the bite of injuries and suspension are starting to sink into the Dolphins. And, you know, while they've done so well to get to get what they've gotten out of the squad that they do have, they just don't have the depth of a lot of other teams. So all of a sudden, when you lose Sean O'Sullivan and you lose his backup in Anthony Milford and you lose Felice Cafusi to suspension... All of a sudden, the team is, is, is just looking a, looking a little bit thin. It's looking a little bit skinny. And as good as Wayne Bennett is and as well as, as he's done over these first five weeks, like it, it, there is a point where it all just sort of catches up with you. So I'm not expecting the Dolphins to bottle, bottom out completely or anything like that. But it, it, it might be a difficult few weeks for them until they, do, until they do get some troops back, you know. And I think the Cowboys will be really desperate to, to put on a good performance in this one. I thought they were pretty disappointing against the Bulldogs on um, on Sunday night and given that the struggles the Dolphins had in the middle of the field against the Dragons I'm expecting the Cowboys to really go route, route, like route one with this one so Jason Tamalolo up the middle up the guts all the time you know so I'm, I'm not I'm not confident in tipping the Cowboys because how can you be after the way they've been playing but I think they'll have too much for the Finns. Uh, Nick, you mentioned before the Storm and the Roosters growing into the season and you're, you're quite liking what you were seeing there. Could you say the same thing about the, the playing through champions? The Panthers, very, very convincing last week, hosting the, the, uh, the Sea Eagles, of course, who had that classic last week, uh, you know, 32 all. Well, I thought last week was actually quite an important performance for the Panthers just because they really had to throw off the shackles and play some of the sharp attacking footy that we've come to see in the last couple of years you know before that win over the Raiders they hadn't scored 20 points in a match all season you know so I think it was important to get that left side tick, uh, ticking over with Isaac Tongo and Sunia Taruva and getting the balance right between Jerome Luai and Nathan Cleary and all that and 
that to me looked like the sort of performance where the Panthers can throw the shackles off and, and, and get back to sort of that attacking machine that we've seen over the last couple of years. Conversely, Manly are a team that I find really difficult to, to get a read on. You know, that, to me, they almost play to the level of their opposition. If their opposition is playing free and open footy like the Knights were in Mudgee in that classic on the weekend, then that's what Manly will do. But if the, if the other team's playing tight, tough footy like Souths were when they beat Manly the week before, Manly just sort of follow their, their, their opponents in, you know? So... Josh Schusterback is a really big inclusion for Manly. I think he sort of changes their attacking dynamic a fair bit down that left side. But, you know, based on the last couple of years, Penrith at Penrith, that's as, you know, that's as good as a guarantee as there is in this league. So I think you've got to go to the Panthers in that one. Okay. Uh, top of the table, Broncos hosting the Raiders. Uh, I'm, I mean, the way I'm looking at the Broncos at the moment, uh, I think this is a comfy, a comfy win. Uh, the Raiders battling. Yeah, it's, it's really difficult to see it going any other way. You know, this poor old Raiders fan really went through it last week when Penrith put 50 on them, and I think there's a fair chance that something like that happens again this week. You know, Brisbane are just playing with so much confidence and so much strike, and the way they're swinging the ball from sideline to sideline with Ezra Mam and Reese Walsh and Katoni Staggs, and, you know, everyone's just out there getting amongst it, and poor old Canberra, they couldn't have stopped the nosebleed in the second half last week, you know, and they've really struggled to, to score their own points over these... Over these uh, first five weeks there's still no Jack White and you know the, the Raiders haven't beaten the Broncos at Suncorp Stadium in 13 years you got you got to take Brisbane and you got to take Brisbane by plenty in this one as much as it pains me to say well because you're a bit of an, an up the milk man aren't you oh I'm I'm all the way up the milk not a bit it's cut me open and I believe <laughs> Canberra milk smithy <laughs> well, I'm sorry for you then if that's the case, but uh, you could be worse. <laughs> Most you people could, are. Most <laughs> people are. <laughs> it could be worse. You could be a West Tigers uh, fan at the moment, Nick. Now, they can't even get their jersey right this weekend. They've had to apologise about that. So I, I think it's worth taking a look at this because we've got a vested interest with Benji being part of this. They've got the Eels this weekend, which is going to be a challenge for them. Uh, they can't seem to buy a win. Uh, this, I mean, if you look at other sports, they'd be lowering a lot of franchise bosses would be lowering the boom on on uh, the coaching setup or whatever. If you looked at other sports across the board, how much leeway are these guys going to get? Well, I, but I think it's impossible to know, Smithy, and that's kind of the the corner that they've backed themselves into by announcing this plan where Tim Sheens will be the coach for this year and next year, and then Benji takes over. You know, it, it's great to have long term planning and to to think this is where we'll be at this point in the future. But it also kind of, it weighs you down. It makes it, 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 it takes away your, your flexibility, you know. Like, say this sort of form continues and the Tigers win the wooden spoon again this year, which, given the improvements they've made to their roster since last season, that absolutely shouldn't happen. Like, wh- what do they do? Can, do can, can they keep Tim, Tim Sheens around for another season? Do they rush Benji straight into the job for for 2024 I, I, I don't know and I think that's the biggest thing with the Tigers you know while they do have this long-term plan set out it's almost difficult to see how they get there just because this first five weeks of the season has been so disastrous on and off the field you know it, 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 it feels to me like they're just sort of back themselves into a corner you know and the, the, the only way out is to start winning games but given that the way they've played and given that they've got Parramatta on Monday it's just hard to see when that's actually going to happen. Okay, um, Eddie Jones has um, made one big move on uh, Joseph Suerli. Is uh, there any thought that Eddie Jones is looking very closely at other targets in the NRL? 
Well, since Eddie Jones got appointed to the wall of his job, he's been doing a lot of talking about the the rugby the rugby league players that he might try and get over to to the Wallabies setup. Um, and of course, Joseph Sulee is kind of the big uh, the the big known target that he has landed. There's been a little bit of talk about rugby being interested in South Sydney's Cameron Murray, but I do think that's quite unlikely. I think they'd have to. I think South Sydney will give him half a Redfern to try and keep him at the club. And so a move a move to rugby just seems a little bit. Unlikely. There was a, a little bit of talk earlier this week that they were talking about going after Nathan Cleary and Matt Burton, and again, that just seems—it just seems unlikely to me. You know, it, it seems to me that they're trying to kind of keep the game relevant over here by saying that they can go after all these players, but unless they have like a, a quite a recent rugby union background, I just don't think it's that—it's uh, that likely. There was an interesting one earlier this week, though. So Wunga Blake, the the big Fijian centre from from Parramatta, who's had a bit of a tough start to the season. Apparently, his management rang the ARU and said, you know, our services are on offer if you'd like them, you know. So maybe maybe that's the way. Maybe by opening up that uh, that conduit between the two sports, it makes it more attractive for more of those mid-tier players to, to, to come across and maybe improve in rugby. But as it stands, I think Joseph Suoliti will be the only big name to, to switch to rugby this season. Yeah, the Warriors get, um, of course, uh, just finishing on the Warriors uh, as we started, uh, Tohu Harris back um, and uh, Tamari Martin, they get back as well. Uh, can they double up on uh, the Knights having beaten them in the first round? I think they can. I think they can. I think the, the inclusion of Tohu Harris will be really, really important. To me, he's been the best forward in the entire league this season other than Brisbane's Payne Haas. I think the, the combination of yardage running and really sharp passing that Harris provides in the middle of the field is, is pretty close to unmatched unless you're looking at someone like Penrith's Isaiah. So as long as he's playing, and I think he's still battling that knee injury a little bit, I think it's kind of I think he's going to have to pass a late fitness test. But if he's there, I'll tip the Warriors with a great with a great deal of confidence. If he's not there, I would still take the Warriors. But I would just be wary that you know last week was such an emotional high for them. You could see the reaction of the players after the game, how much it meant to them to sort of secure that win, and and that's a that's a difficult thing to to back up two weeks in a row for for any team, let alone a team that is still sort of, you know, getting used to playing hard every week like the Warriors are. Um, but Tamari Martin's inclusion is another big tick for them. I really like his and Sean Johnson's combination. I feel like they're, they complement each other quite well and they're, they're learning how to work together quite well. So even though the, the, the Knights played well last week in that draw with Manly and they've showed a capacity to put on some, some, uh, some pretty dazzling points in the last couple of weeks, I'm not going to turn my back on Sean Johnson now, am I, Smitty? So I'm taking the Warriors in this one. Well, you started with Sean, you finished with Sean. You are consistent. I'll give you that, mate. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Terrific to uh, to chat uh, and get a preview of uh, how you see it uh, panning out this weekend. Uh, Nick, uh, have a terrific uh, long weekend and um, enjoy the league, eh? Fantastic. I will, mate. Have a good one. Thanks for having me. Yeah, cheers, uh, Nick Campton there for, uh, out of Australia. Fantastic uh, with his insights into uh, how he perceives uh, the league. We're, you know, we're uh, heading into, what, round six? Um, and it's been a hell of a start to the season. I, 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 don't, uh, I don't know of anyone s- just slightly interested in league who can't be thrilled at the start across the board, across the board with some of these uh, amazing results. It's 11.22. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. It's Harness Racing New Zealand Pacing for Purpose Season 2. 
It's been a little while, but uh, your chance to live the dream, get involved in harness racing today. New Zealand Harness Racing uh, is uh, the place to visit at hrnz.co.nz. hrnz.co.nz. Racing at Addington, Saturday, 3.08pm in the afternoon. Race four, number five, Medina Magic. Medina Magic. Second last start to uh, Cormac Leo, who lines up in the Southern Supremacy at Wyndham. It looks a good horse and can win with Adesanya, the biggest danger. Brian, uh, Brian will have a dollar each one, Adesanya, I'll bet. But Adesanya, yeah, is the biggest danger, we believe, to uh, Medina Magic. Uh, so that's our pacing for Purpose Horse. Uh, just to give you an update so far, Breakfast has um, managed to accumulate 610 uh, we sit second on $717.50. The afternoon's poultry, 300 bucks. What's that about, Staff? Poultry, $300. And the run home, uh, where they're getting their info from, I do not know, $1,237.50 for the run home. Uh, also, you can join uh, Mick and Greg every Sunday from 11 o'clock, of course, coverage all the harness racing action from across New Zealand with Trot's Talk. Uh, that is a very informative program, particularly when there are trots on on Sunday afternoon or pacing on Sunday afternoon. Andrew Gordy was uh, talking about the New Zealand Women's Rugby Tenure Action Plan. Yeah, it's a massive document, uh, but uh, in summary, there are five points uh, that are involved in it. Really, culture, the open-minded and inclusive culture across rugby. System, the focused rugby system, investment roles, resourcing and accountability. Uh, participation, women and girls participation, growth and pathways fostered through innovation and flexibility. Performance, balanced and sustainable performance. Uh, outcomes for women and girls. And transition, that's uh, for women and girls entry and retention into rugby through safe, supportive and confident transitions. So there you have it, uh, a five-point plan really for New Zealand's rugby uh, in terms of their women put a 10-year action plan. They asked for something to come as a result of uh, that wonderful World Cup and it seems they've uh, put their heads together. But if uh, Dame, Patsy, uh, Dame, uh, Dame Patsy involved in that, I would imagine, as uh, chairman of the board, uh, instituting it and uh, they've come out with a plan. And as uh, uh, it Austin Powers or someone once said, no, it was probably Blackadder actually. You've got to have a plan. You've got to have a plan. I think it was Blackadder or Baldrick, one of those two. Uh, it's 11.30 here on SENZ, and uh, we're going to have some news uh, with Araha, and when we come back, to, uh, we're going to talk to one of New Zealand sports uh, champions, uh, Lewis Clearbert, one of the ter- most terrific swimmers we've had, and on track to be even better. Turn up the volume. We're crossing live to the sports desk. What's fresh? What's making waves? Let's find out. Yes, indeed. Let's head across to the uh, sports desk. Uh, we're on this Thursday morning. Uh, Logan Swinkles has all the gossip. Well, first of all, we had a question come from Sean on the uh, Tempered Bedpost text machine about Sean Johnson because he did come home from Australia in a moon boot and he said that that was only a precaution by the physios. Uh, I can confirm that he wasn't at training yesterday, but as we heard from James Regan, 
they uh, Webby gave a few of the players an extra day off. Sean was one of those, uh, but Webster has said that SJ is fine. So he has been named to play at seven, so expect him to be there. Um, some exciting news in women's rugby, Smithy, along with that action plan. Sarah Hidney is going to have a sabbatical and go play in Japan. This just came through within the last half hour. That after the World Series, uh, she's uh, that's in Japan. She's going to stay on and play for the MIE Pearls. That's interesting. I didn't know it was that big in Japan. What, what kind of professional level is that at? Uh, honestly, I uh, personally I wouldn't know, but I mean it's obviously big enough for Sarah Hidney, captain of the Blackfern Sevens, to consider it and to stay on for a bit. It's no doubt a great experience for her. Great to sort of you know chase that money while women's rugby is heading further into that professional realm. So really exciting to see that. And of course, Smithy, this morning we've been enjoying the par three contest at the Masters, haven't we? We have uh, watching. Uh, I just watch it for the atmosphere, really. Um, I don't watch it so much for the golf, but um, I, I just like to... It's my curtain raiser before the main event, really. Uh, I like it as for the players. It just just gives me a taste of Augusta and, uh, you know, the, the beautiful scenery and that sort of thing. So, uh, And they say uh, the person that's won the Par 3 competition has never won the Masters. Tell me. Tell me Foxy didn't win it. He didn't. He didn't. But he did do very well. He finished four under, I believe. So I think he was either tied for third or fourth. I'll double-check the scoreboard. But uh, one pairing that I did enjoy was Thomas Spieth, who were, of course, very close friends, and Max Homer. And I just wanted to play you their little uh, their interview that they had before they teed off. You guys are such great friends. What is this day like to come out, have a good time, decompress before it really gets right tomorrow? Yeah, it's fun. I know Jordan and I have been uh, fortunate to play in this a couple times, and uh, I haven't played in four years due to, I think, COVID a couple years and then weather last year. So, I mean, I'm excited. Um, I think we'll have a lot of fun and hopefully needle each other a little bit while we're at it. I think I'll speak for all golf fans. It's so fun to watch you as a dad. You're, you're so engaged with him and having a blast. How has it given you new perspective to be out here as a dad? Uh, it doesn't really change golf much for me, I, um, but it's it's off the course. It's it's obviously a, a huge huge change, and it's been a lot of fun. He's been kind of turned into my little buddy, and um, you know it's it's an experience I always wanted to have, and then it just keeps getting better every single week. Super fun for us to watch. Same for you. What new perspective do you have now as a father? Uh, I love sleep now more than <laughs> ever before. Uh, but just like this is so cool. Like this was really fun. I got my first one last year, but this is way cooler now. Uh, there's a lot more planning went into it. But uh, to get to come around and watch Sammy run around and Justin run around, <laughs> things are just <laughs> something I'll treasure for the rest of my life. Let me tell you something. As a dad of three, you're never going to sleep again, brother. Thank you guys. Really appreciate y'all. <laughs> And he is so right there, Smithy. Uh, just to reiterate before we wrap up the sports desk, the par three contest, the leaderboard, Hogue finished six under. Our right leader, Bubba Watson and Kitayama, there were five under. And then uh, tied there in fourth place is Kim Moore and Fox, all at four under. So good start for Foxy. Uh, hope for bigger things across the weekend. Yep, absolutely. Uh, and don't back Tom Hogue. Because uh, uh, history says he can't win the Masters. It's 11.36, uh, Lewis Clairbert uh, coming up with us. Sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Well, the New Zealand National Swimming Championships have wrapped up after a few magical days in the pool that saw numerous uh, national records crumble, many by the feats of young Erica Fairweather, who is now the sixth 
fastest woman of all time in the 400 metres freestyle. It's uh, quite amazing. Another one of our Olympic hopefuls, of course, uh, has also had a great week, picking up six medals out of seven events. And I'm talking, of course, about uh, Lewis Clairbert, uh, who joins us now to talk about uh, the swimming championships and his campaign going forward. Lewis, uh, thanks very much for your time. Thanks for having me. No, no problem at all, mate. Uh, it's, it's, our, uh, it's our pleasure. Uh, you, you won the 200 metres individual medley yesterday to wrap things up in a, a time of uh, 159.114. Uh, that's a, uh, another tick in the column of uh, where we've qualified for the World Aquatics. Uh, you happy with that time and uh, your performance over the, over the time? Yeah, I think like last night wrapping up with two turned medley with the you know another qualification standard. I was happy with it. I mean, I entered in seven events, like you said, over over the five days plus three relays. So it was a pretty full on schedule for me. Um, so to finish off the week sort of with with a qualification, um, you know, after the load that I was under, I think you know means we're in a good spot moving forward. I read uh, an article where you said that you're looking to improve your uh, underwater skills as such. For the uninitiated, what, is the, what are those areas you're looking to improve? Yeah, so the underwaters is a huge component um, for me, especially in the medley event where you know we, we spend a lot of time on top of the water, but actually a lot of my games for me is actually you know underwater. Um, so that's every turn that I do... Um, and then um, you know, little things like my pullouts and, and stuff like that for each stroke. So um, it is quite technical um, that in the nature because I do uh, the medley event. But I think that's where, um, especially leading into Paris next year, it's going to be my, my biggest gain. Right. Um, so did, did you, you hit the goals generally then for the ones you set for yourself pre the Nationals? Yeah, I think generally, I, I think I was, I was happy with how I went. You know, I always you always want to swim faster, like everyone does, um, but sometimes it just doesn't happen. And you know, on the first day, I probably didn't swim as fast as I may have thought I would um, in my main event, the four hundred medley, um, or sort of six or seven seconds of my personal best. But um, I think you know, moving forward for for the world champs this year in Japan, that's where I really want to swim fast. So times weren't really um, a huge factor for me here the, this week. Yeah, it's an interesting point I was going to ask you about peaking and, and you know, having sort of uh, little time periods in your training with your taper off a wee bit because here we are in the beginning of April and the world champs, as you say, are in Japan. How do you go about building from this, a national championship, to there, which, of course, is a, a much bigger step up? Yeah, it's. Um, I mean, it's reasonably similar. You know, we we always try to keep the same routine going into a national event or an international event. Um, I'd probably taper down a little bit more, so do a little bit more of a um, an extended. Um, you know, we we drop the Ks and we extend out some more race pace stuff. Uh, for me, just making sure that I'm in the right mindset as well, and we also we like to travel um, before. a a bit of competition just to get away from all the noise of being at home. Um, but those, just those little things. And I just, I think the hype of a big event like the World Champs allows you to get up more um, compared to a national event. When training reaches its peak before, say, the July World Champs, what does a week look like for you? Uh, it's usually pretty relaxed, actually. Uh, I do enjoy the last sort of two weeks of 
uh, the build-up to a major event. Um, it's you know less and less swimming, more and more rest, and um, hanging out with your, the, your friends that are you know traveling with you. Uh, we don't get to a whole lot of stuff outside of uh, just the pool and the hotel, but I think you generally get to just cruise out a bit more and uh, just muck around by ourselves and you know yeah just generally cruising around. So in terms of uh, France, or in terms of Paris, I should say, um, for the Olympics, um, that uh, I suppose is uh, is that the, the ultimate goal. Do you, you see world champs as second and uh, Olympics the premium goal? Yeah, I think um, in a sport of swimming, you know, the the Olympic Games is the biggest stage for us, and that's pretty much you go from one one Olympic side, you know, finish say. Tokyo and you start thinking about the next one and how you're going to prepare for for the, uh, the next one. Um, so if obviously Paris up next year, uh, we started thinking about it a few years ago and these world champs are just stepping stones for us to, to build a good team and to really start to um, build that culture around us as our aqua black team and yeah, build relays and, and do everything right, get all those processes right for us. I've counted, uh, I just had a count up this morning, uh, 15 swimmers in various events have uh, qualified for the World Championships, so it looks to me as if the Aqua Black program is going pretty well. Yeah, we, we, we have, we've been in meetings all morning after the, um, you know, the competition finished last night, our nationals, and we sort of looked over the last five or six years, and we went from making four events in 2019 to... I think it was over 20 this year. So we've, you know, our team has grown hugely um, with 15 athletes now. Um, and it's, you know, I think it's getting really exciting with, you know, the likes of Erica and um, we've got a few youngsters that have that made the team as well. And moving towards Paris, I think it's even more exciting than Tokyo was. I was going to ask you uh, very briefly about uh, Erica as well, because now she's uh, looking at a 400 metres freestyle setting up against uh, uh, the race for ages, really, uh, Summer McIntosh, uh, Ariane Titmus, Katie Ledecky, uh, but as early as July maybe, and certainly in Paris. Uh, so uh, she's reaching great great levels. Yeah, she's been swimming unbelievable, and I think every time she gets into the pool, she sets it on fire. So it's been awesome watching her this week and just her progress over the last three or so years especially since Tokyo, she's just really lit up the pool um, for us. And, you know, I've been absolutely, you know, it's been awesome just to be on that journey to, to watch her do her thing. Um, and I'm excited to, to see what she's going to do for the rest of the year and going into next year. I know that her event, the 400 freestyle and all the freestyle races are super competitive this year. You know, like you said, Summer McIntosh and Ariane Titmus. Um, there's sort of three or four of them that are all breaking the world record every time they swim. So it's going to be interesting, I think, moving in this year to see how they all match up in the world champs because it'll be like a little bit of a taste moving into Paris. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I, I mean, it's it's really, really exciting to have uh, you two in particular um, at the forefront. Uh, I, I, you're all of 23 years of age, so you're really getting on, Lewis. So... Uh, have you started to think about life after swimming yet, and uh, will it stay in being involved in sport at any stage? 
Yeah, I mean, like you said, I, I still consider myself reasonably young, although there are a few, you know, we've got a 15 or 16-year-old girl, that Monique, that has just made the, the World Champs team, so it does make me feel a little bit older than, than I probably should, but <laughs> for sure, I mean, that's, that's the, the number one thing you get told as an athlete is, um, you know, you've got an expiry date on, on your sport, and unlike bread or milk, you don't know really know when it's gonna when you're going to expire or when you might fall over with an injury or um, you know something might happen so for, for me I opted in to do a university degree at Victoria and um, I've started working at Forsyth Bar in the last few months um, which I've been really really enjoying and sort of just trying to test the waters and see where I want to want to end up after something but I'm not really 100% sure Oh, well, that's a really reputable company to find out. So congratulations on, on that. Congratulations, too, on what you've achieved over the last few days. Uh, all the very best. Uh, let's hope that everything goes very smoothly for you in preparation for Japan first up, eh? Thanks, thanks, Lewis, for your time. Thank you very much. Cheers. Have a good one. Cheers, cheers. Uh, we'll have a good one. Have a great long weekend yourself. Uh, yes, um, Lewis Clearbert there, absolute superstar, honestly, folks. Uh, and as you can tell, uh, he can handle the media too. Um, very, very, very good. Uh, 23 years of age. He's uh, qualified for the 200 metres, 400 metres individual medley, uh, the 4 by 100 metre medley relay as well. Erica Fairweather, just by the by, the 200 metres freestyle, 400 metres freestyle, 800 metres freestyle, the 4 by 200 metre freestyle relay, the 4 by 100 metre mixed freestyle relay. Uh, Two great chances, but uh, there are another heap of names there, another 13 names, all heading off to the World Aquatic Championships in Japan. Super, super news. 11.52.